many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores! Hey, everybody, it's Bryn Griffiths along with Robin Brownlee, and thanks for joining us in another edition of our podcast called The Outsiders. Hello, Robin. How are you, man? Well, fine. You and I were having, is it a discussion or an argument before we started here today? Oh, I think it's just a discussion. I think we're in agreement here largely. Exactly. Before we even stepped into the studio today, we were uh, basically venting over the fact that I'm, I, the, you know, I'm so, I'm still riled up about everything here. We are weeks away from the conclusion of the federal election campaign in Canada, and I, for one, can hardly wait to have this thing over because I'm getting tired of people on my Facebook page and my Twitter account bombarding me with political thoughts. Right? I miss the days when people would post food, what they had for lunch, uh, maybe a cat or a dog video just for fun, or something that they saw that would make me laugh. That's why I went on these things to begin with. But it's just it's been so intense. I just don't even want to worry about it anymore. I tell you, uh, friends, relatives, I love you. But I got to (laughs) say, look, if you're doing the uh, posting everything about Justin Trudeau and his unquestionably doughhead brown face thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I get it. If you're calling up, on the other hand, uh, Andrew Scheer and the things he's and insensitive things he said in the past, fine. I don't need to hear it. You you know what? In this political election, nothing you can say, nothing you can post repeatedly hour after hour that's completely partisan. I mean, if it's your guy, it's not really that important. If it's the other guy, dredge it up, dredge it up, dredge it up. You know what? Don't, don't post that stuff to me. I don't care. You're not going to change my mind. No, and, and with me, neither. You're just It's not going to happen. I already know exactly what I'm planning on doing. So just, like I said, can we go back to the frivolous the frivolous stuff that's always been on a lot of these social media sites? That'd be great. My Instagram account is actually not bad, but the other two have just been an absolute mess. So the one of the things I'll be happy is to have the campaign over with, and two, yes. let's get the NHL season going. Yes, and are there are there any good choices out there, really? That's the tough question. <laughs> let, let, let's move on. But you and I, that, that was a, uh, we've been discussing this for about 10, 15 minutes before we even got in here. So anyway, so we've, uh, that's our political talk. There we go. We're done. Let's get to, uh, let's get to what's going on around the National Hockey League. Talking to a few of my friends who watch very carefully with the Calgary Flames. You're never going to believe this. A little concern through preseason <laughs> with the play of Cam Talbot, who let in a couple of softies in his first game, was a little better in his second game. He'll come around. And also a little concerned that Milan Lucic is a step behind the play and his teammates. And I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> bulletin, is, bulletin, yeah, bulletin. This is a shocker. <laughs> we, we could have told you about that. But, you know, they were looking for a bit of a change. Let's address Talbot first. In Calgary, defense a little bit better, I'd like to think. Yes. Based on what I'm watching and looking at. He should be better. He's got to make that first save. They'll be able to clear away the second or the third one, the rebounds anyway. Do you see him rebounding himself this season? Well, you know, to be honest, Brent, I don't know, but I'd like to think so. Uh, Cam Talbot is one of the most decent uh, young guys you're going to meet in the National Hockey League. And 
For his sake, I hope so. But you know what? And it's funny, there was a little debate on Twitter of the the game. Oh, another first uh, shot goal allowed by Talbot. And actually, it was on a rebound, so it was the second shot. But people were going, hey, first shot, second shot, doesn't matter. That's been his problem. Cam is playing uh, behind a better defense and behind a better overall team in Calgary. Uh, people in this town are supposed to hate those guys. I don't hate those guys. I don't know if he can bounce back, but I'd like to think he can. Milan Lucic, I, you I know, don't know what? about that one. I thought even here in Edmonton he'd get it turned around when you when you talk about the lack of confidence and how nothing went right, how he went through. Uh, you know, there were some tough times, very tough times for him off the ice. I don't see it, man. I, I don't know how you can play him higher than third line at best and probably fourth. You know, the money doesn't matter. The money's spent in that regard. But I don't know. We've got to see it before I believe it because it hasn't been a blip now. It's been uh, uh, two and a half seasons where he's got nothing done. Well, we chatted with uh, Peter Labardis about this flip, and it came up with Bob Stoffer a week later. And uh, so you have James Neal now in Edmonton who, based on what I've seen him play in preseason action, he if he goes to the right places and he's playing on the right line, he's still going to score some goals here. Yeah. If he can keep the coach's confidence, which it appears he did not have at any point last season, and then he lost his confidence, and then it just turned into a shit show from that point forward. So I don't know. We'll, we'll be watching that one really carefully. Let's also talk about the Oilers. And the I'll call it Mr. Holland's opus because he keeps playing the same song everywhere he goes. In Detroit, he did it, and now it looks like he's going to do it in Edmonton where they're, they're inclined to load up and start the season with veterans and the kids, and there's some really good kids up and coming, but they're going to have to earn their way onto the roster. That sounds very much like the Detroit Red Wings of old, does it not? <laughs> that's, uh, that's Ken Holland's blueprint, always has been. Now, granted... Holland had a lot more to work with most of his time in Detroit, not so much at the end of his tenure there, but he liked the veterans. You had to, the pressure had to come from down below. You had to prove that you, you could do things in the minor leagues. And if you didn't, you stayed there because the team was good enough. Now this team doesn't have that depth, but the mentality is the same coming out, out of the GM's office. If we're not sure about you, if we have any doubt, down you go. Uh, we've seen it already at camp. Uh, this will be a more veteran team, not necessarily a more proven team, because let's face it, the veterans they got weren't in huge demand. You know, the Neil part of it, uh, you touched on him earlier. Uh, Neil is a finisher. You're not going to see him creating rushes, doing much else, but he needs to get to the right places. If he can, he, that's the one thing he can do is score, and it's okay to be a one-trick pony as long as you pull off that trick more more times than not. So I'm not surprised how Holland is uh, putting this team together. Uh, it's more of what we've seen for 20-plus years. Before we talk about what's going on in Winnipeg, let's also talk about the fact that Mike Smith is now back and ready to go, and you've got uh, Koskinen, who has not looked overly sharp in my opinion in uh, in the training camp so far which would concern me if I was a member of the Edmonton Oilers executive but I'm now starting to believe that Mike Smith will take over that number one role your thoughts on that overly sharp <laughs> look it's preseason 
you know what? Yeah, I know, but it's a continuation of what we saw last that, year. That's the concerning part. The problem for Koskinen last year is that he wore down, and, and I'm not making excuses for the guy. He got used way more than he should have after Talbot was gone, and, and it showed. I'm, I'm just not sold on Miko Koskinen. He's not, he is what he is at this point. He's 31 years old. There's not going to be major changes in how he plays goal. Can you work with him? Can you tweak? Yeah, I suppose so. But I'm not convinced that he is a bona fide starting goaltender. If he changes my mind, good on him. Mike Smith, what we do know about Mike Smith is he is a bona fide National Hockey League starting goaltender. Now, he is 37. He's coming off a bad year or at least a bad first half to last year. Mm -hmm. He buckled down uh, in the stretch and in the playoffs. He's uh, a totally different dynamic than Koskinen in that he handles the puck. The problem is he's been out until yesterday, until he skated with the, the Oilers again, um, ill. And, you know, so he hasn't had a chance to communicate, get into the flow, uh, talk to the defenseman, here's what I like to do, just the repetition you get during training camp. He's a question mark, but I like the odds of Mike Smith coming back, even at 37, and providing the Oilers with slightly better goaltending. Not not hugely better, but slightly better goaltending than what Koskinen gave them last year, which is 906. Mike is a career 912 goaltender. People go, big deal, what's the difference? Well, there is a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you. I can see Smith, uh, unless Koskinen really buckles down, I can see Smith as the guy uh, 20 games into this season. And you talked about Smith being slightly better. That's not going to be enough to cut it to make the postseason, in my opinion. You know, last weekend, we uh, the last podcast, we talked about the fact we were going to focus in on not only the Vancouver Canucks, but the Winnipeg Jets this week. Well, we decided to bump that back another week because all of a sudden this Dustin Bufflin thing has taken on a, a little bit of a different spin. It looks, if you go by the reports from Bob McKenzie, and at the time of our recording this podcast, not really sure what his future was going to be, but it looks like he's probably going to retire. But that changes the Winnipeg Blue, the Blue Bombers, sorry, the Winnipeg Winnipeg Jets defensive core. The look, it, it, it's a that's a big change if you take Big Buff out of there. Oh, that's a huge change. I mean, he is still uh, one of the most important three players on that roster. And, you know, we haven't heard definitively what's happening with him, but if he is uh, not ready to play the game and beyond that thinking of stepping away, nobody knows better than Dustin Bufflin what's best for him. And uh, do what you've got to do. Um, You know, money isn't an issue uh, with Dustin as far as I know, at least based on what he's made in the National Hockey League. He would leave some money on the table, though, if he walked away. I know, but But how, how, how much do you need? There's, there's other stuff that's more important. We don't know what it is. Don't need to speculate. Nope. But whatever the issue is that has him uh, sitting on the sidelines, uh, from the Jets' point of view, which is secondary to what's best for Dustin Bufflin, it's a big hole. And they've lost some players uh, off that roster, and I think the Winnipeg Jets are due for a considerable dip in the standings. Let's talk a little CFL, too. The situation with the Edmonton Eskimos is basically the same situation we've talked about now for four straight weeks, and that is not beating anybody they need to beat. So clearly now, to me, fourth spot, the crossover position is going to be, if they're going to make the postseason, and I think they will, 
it's going to be through the Eastern Conference because the Calgary Stampeders, Bo Levi Mitchell's back. We talked about it. They seem to be improving weekly and are moving up. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, that was a tough, tough loss this past weekend. And the Saskatchewan Roughriders are hanging in there pretty good. They seem to be playing very well. So I think the Bombers and the Riders are going to be fighting it out for two or three. Mm-hmm. And then the Eskimos are going to flip over. But the, the West seems to be starting to solidify in terms of uh, when you take a look at it, what you think is going to happen. Your thoughts? Well, I tell you what, uh, keeping it here, Bryn, for a second, that game uh, against Hamilton, I thought, oh, shit, it was, you know, end of the fourth quarter, it was done. Uh, I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. They made a game of it. Yep. I th- I felt bad for Logan Kilgore. Talked to him uh, to do an advance on that game. And, you know, he was excited about getting the shot. I mean, he's waited a long time to get that shot. He came in uh, in Calgary or against Calgary, but really uh, and it had been three years since he'd been a quarterback, uh, played quarterback in a game before then. He holds on place kicks. And I thought, oh, man, he's, he's it's 21 zip. And you're thinking, well, this is, this is ugly. He came back, made a game of good for him. But the fact is they lost the game and they're going crossover. That's their only hope. Now, they needed to win that game and they had an outside chance because they get Saskatchewan twice at the end of the year back to back. Yep. If you win that game and you don't fall on your face between that game and the last two games of the season, you get the Rough Riders straight up twice if you win both. In any case, it was a long shot. I think that shot has left town now. Crossover, I mean, no no Western crossover team has made it to the Grey Cup, let alone won the Grey Cup uh, since that uh, crossover came in in 96. So, uh, if they're, you know, their road to uh, winning anything is a tough one. Okay, I, I'm just going to throw this out there and we'll wrap it up and we'll get to Ricky Ray. But Lacey Evans, WWE superstar, did you see this? How dumb do people... Okay, the RCMP said that the speeding ticket is legit. Yeah. That the pullover was legitimate. The f- stuff that was filmed, I think, might have been enhanced or performed <laughs> but I just can't believe, and then she, of course she goes on Twitter and a few other social media sources and just absolutely trashes Canada, and I'm going to have my lawyer speak to their lawyer and all that kind of stuff. It's the most ridiculous sidebar story I've seen in a long time, and yet here we are, we're talking about it. Well, you know what? It's a bit, there's some people out there getting their panties in a knot over this. I mean, uh, you know, I think the officer played along. Uh, maybe the ticket was legit, I don't know. Uh, he said it was, or the RCMP said it was in a social media post. I wouldn't know a Lacey Evans if I was standing in an elevator with her on it. But that's not a reflection on her. That's a reflection on me because, well, I was a bit of a fan back in the days when a bunch of people, kids now, wouldn't even remember. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, now I don't follow it, so I don't know who she is. I thought it was perfect, you know, don't you know who I am? Well, no. Um, it's a bit, uh, maybe it sold some tickets. I don't know, but, uh, Hey, this is a, uh, entertainment business where they hit each other in the face with chairs and, you know, allegedly, uh, all these feuds and jump off, uh, tops of cages onto tables and, <laughs> uh, you know, maim each other. So you got it. You take it for what it was. Uh, uh, don't get excited either way. I still don't know who she is, but, uh, 
you know, it'll be, uh, the 15 minutes will be up oh, soon yeah. enough. Yeah. All I know is it's no stampede wrestling with my buddy Ed Whalen, <laughs> who I miss so much. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on with the show, shall we? Yeah. It's, uh, the show's going to be a ring a ding dong dandy. <laughs> anyway, we, uh, we have Ricky Ray going to join us in a couple of moments. What a great CFL career he had. Honored by the Edmonton Eskimos uh, halftime on the football game the other night, and it's going to be part of an Eskimo dinner coming up this week. So we'll get to Ricky when we come back right here on The Outsiders. It's Bryn Griffiths along with Robin Brownlee. Pro-Am Sports is Edmonton's home for sports and entertainment memorabilia. Featuring unique collectibles and apparel, we've got you and your fan cave covered. Pro-Am Sports, located in Edmonton at 12728 St. Albert Trail and proamsports.ca. It's, it's great to be back here where it all started uh, way back in 2002. Um, feels like I'm coming home. And uh, Ricky Ray joins us on the podcast today. Ricky, how are you, man? I'm doing great, guys. It's been a, a great trip up here to Edmonton for me. And, uh, you know, got to spend the evening there on Friday at the game and enjoy a really special moment. So I'm having a lot of fun. Let's go back, and I'm going to say way back. I want to bring up the name Rick Warman because if, if he doesn't talk to you when you're in Fresno with the frenzy, do you even find out where the Edmonton Eskimos even are? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I owe a lot to him. Um, you know, he gave me the opportunity to come up here uh, playing arena two with him with the Fresno frenzy man way back in 2002. And, um, you know, that was kind of the selling point, uh, when I was trying out for the team was, um, you know, if I come down there and, you know, end up playing for him and play well, that, you know, he's got some connections from playing in the CFL coaching in the CFL. And, you know, he'd try and get me, you know, in, in a camp and, um, that's kind of how it played out. Went down there and played half the season, did pretty well. And, he got me up here um, into the Eskimos camp and an opportunity to, to play in the CFL. Ricky, it's it's uh, amazing, and you'll see this the older you get, how, how time flies. I recall a group of us talking to you when you were going to make that first start after Jason Moss got injured, and we thought you might be all over the place because you really hadn't been here that long, and you seemed cool as a cucumber. Were you as cool as a cucumber inside as you appeared outside? <laughs> no, I mean, I, um, you know, I'm still feel all the emotions and get nervous and, you know, all those things. But I just, I think I just figured out over the years that I just play better when I'm just more even keel. And, you know, that's just what worked for me. And, uh, you know, I tried to, to be that way all the time. And I think it's just part of my personality as well. Um, you know, just being that way. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I, I, when I throw a touchdown pass or we win a game, I'm still feeling all the same things. I just try and make it look like I'm not. And, uh, you know, that's just, just one of my, my strengths that's helped me, uh, you know, go out there and perform. Well, you know, there's, I guess the, the old saying is there's more than one way to skin a cat. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, you and 
you and Jason Moss, who are very good friends and go back a long way, and we'll talk about that a bit later. But this was like, for Eskimo quarterbacks, this was like good cop, bad cop. I mean, Jason Moss, you know exactly how he was feeling all the time when the helmet would go flying, and here's Ricky Ray standing there looking pretty cool. Kind of an interesting dynamic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, it was uh, the complete opposite. And, you know, the first time, you know, I was around Jay, you know, he, he throws a bad pass and he's, you know, kicking dirt and, you know, some, some bad words are coming out of his mouth. And then, you know, we get the training camp and then I got to see some of the helmets getting slammed against the ground. So, um, yeah, he, he wears his emotions, you know, outside and, um, you know, he's just so passionate about what he does. And, um, it was a lot of fun to be around him. I mean, he really took me under his wing when I first got here and kind of showed me around, you know, showed me what it was like to be, um, in the CFL and what it was like to be a, a professional quarterback and, you know, what it was like to, to work hard and, and be passionate about what you do. So I owe a lot to him. I can only imagine the film sessions with you two would be just crazy because you'd be just kind of sitting there taking it all in, and he would be <laughs> vocalizing and verbalizing it. Must have been crazy. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of crazy times. I mean, not only in the film room, but out of practice or whether we're on the golf course or playing racquetball. I mean, whatever we did, um, you know, you got to see that that Jason emotion and um, just completely opposite. You know, I'm always trying to stay stay under control, and um, at times he's uh, he's really, you know, losing it a little bit. Um, but that's just the way he was, man. He um, he really cared about what he was doing, and uh, sometimes his emotions got the best of him. But other times he used that as just fire to uh, to drive him to be his best. Ricky, I think uh, as athletes age, they go through their careers and they get to the place where you're at now, where you're out of the game. Uh, one thing they say is, uh, wow, that went fast. Um, you look back, and, and I think athletes tend to say, you know, once the cheering's over and the crowds are gone, sure, you miss the competition, but the lasting memories are of the people you meet. And that's obvious to me when we talk to uh, Jason. Can you talk about that connection, aside from just being quarterbacks and playing the same position? Um, when he talks about you, it's like he's talking about a brother. And and that's not, while you're teammates, that's not always the case with every player. It seems like there's a real special kind of relationship there. Yeah, I mean, there is. You know, we've, we've been through a lot uh, together and um, experienced a lot, of, a lot of ups and downs over the years and spent a lot of time together. I mean, we were roommates on the road and had a chance to to really spend a lot of time outside of football as well. And um, and then, you know, we were played against, played with each other, against each other. Um, he coached me for a few years in Toronto. So um, we just developed a really good bond over the years and a good friendship and a lot of respect for each other. And, you know, that's pretty unique. Um, you know, you don't always get that with, with your teammates. And, um, you know, but that's that's what it's about. You know, on some of the best teams I've played on, uh, you know, that's the kind of, relationships that you're able to, to develop. Um, it's nothing like being on a championship team where you're you're able to go through those up and downs and, and then have a special moment at the end of the year where you're raising the Grey Cup together. And um, that's what, it, you know, that's why you play the game is just to be able to, to form those relationships and prove to each other that you can go out there and overcome a lot of things and 
and go on to have um, you know a big success like a great cup championship together. Ricky Ray joins us on our podcast. It's Bryn Griffiths and Robin Brownlee. You know, and and I ask this because I'm not really completely sure what your answer is going to be on this, but when you're looking back at career memories, I guess the first question is, do you look back at career memories? And if you do, are there some that really stand out for you? Um, I, I have been. I mean, a lot more uh, since I retired. Um, I've been able to really kind of to look back and, you know, see see some of the memories that I've had and really think about them and kind of reminisce and, you know, talk to some of my old teammates and, you know, I've, I've got a lot of great memories. You know, I, somebody asked me a similar question, um, and you know, I tell them sometimes it's it's not even the good memories that I that I think about a lot. Sometimes it's it's the missed opportunities as well. And you know, talking about the 2002 Grey Cup that we we hosted at home in Edmonton and ended up losing losing that game, missing a two point conversion at the end of the game, and sending it into overtime, and we we weren't able to do it. Um, you know, I think about some of the injuries, some of the other losses that I've experienced over the years, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of special moments. I mean, obviously the great cups, um, you know, and then there's other little things, you know, completing third and four to, to Mookie in the 2005 great cup, you know, there was a third and five that, that we completed in, in the, uh, East final in 2017. And you think about some of those big moments, uh, throughout the years that really, could have went either way and why did it happen for, for your team that year? Um, and then I think, just think about some of the memories that I had with hanging out with teammates, you know, playing golf, um, you know, cracking jokes with, with Dwayne Mandrusiak's kids and being able to play golf with Dwayne and some of the other teammates that I had uh, a lot of great memories along the way. That 2005 Grey Cup game in Vancouver was you and AC Anthony Calvillo just going toe-to-toe. You talked about a few of those third and five plays. For me, and I was there for the 89 Grey Cup between Saskatchewan and Hamilton, which I thought was going to be pretty much unbeatable for me to watch live and in person. But that 2005 Grey Cup game, wow, you were on fire that night. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, coming into that game, uh, you know, I'd been struggling quite a bit. And I hadn't thrown a touchdown pass in, in quite some time, and Jason came in to to really lead us to victories in the semifinal and and the West final. And uh, so going into that game, um, you know, I was down a little bit, and I uh, finally got my first touchdown pass there. I think in the first quarter, Ed Hervey, um, which really kind of took a lot of weight off my shoulders, and we went into halftime with a ten to one lead. And uh, then the second half was just a complete explosion. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of great plays. Um, I think we had a big kickoff return. Anthony was was doing his thing over there with with the Alouettes, and um, it ended up being a shootout and being able to win that. And I think double overtime with the Sean Fleming field goal um, <laughs> was quite the game. Uh, very exciting. Uh, even our our head coach at the time. Uh, Danny Machocha started celebrating a, a, a down early. <laughs> there was a, a lot of crazy things happening in that game. Even Anthony, I think, in overtime, threw a pass. It got tipped back to him, and yes. he threw it again to a wide-open receiver, and the guy drops it in the end zone. And Oh, man, there was just uh, a lot of emotion up and down in that game, but I'm, I'm glad we were able to pull it off. Ricky, you played with so many great receivers here. Um, again, Time flies. I mean, Ed Hervey's running the show out in BC. Uh, Jason Tucker's here uh, coaching. Uh, the, there's a lot of other receivers too. 
Do you think you could still, you guys, if you still got together on a grass field somewhere, you could lob that, uh, you could lob that uh, feely, touchy pass into the hands as they uh, circled under it on, on that route that uh, people stood and cheered for so many times? Oh, I, I, th- I think I could still lob one. Um, I don't know how far it would go. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think we're obviously past our, our prime of, of completing those corners and, and for big games. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I got to play with a lot of great receivers over my, throughout my career. And, um, you know, Terry Vaughn, Ed Hervey, um, mm-hmm. Jason Tucker, Fred Stamps. I mean, you, the list goes on. And, I, that's what you got to have to be a successful quarterback. You got to have those go-to guys that um, you know you can really rely on in crunch time. And you know, I can't remember how many corner routes I threw to to Tucker in big games that really you know got us going. You know, there was even one in the 2005 Grey Cup. Um, you know, corner route there in the end zone in overtime. Um, that was a big play for us. And uh, you know, it's just special to have those types of guys that you're able to play with. You know, Ricky, you mentioned Fred Stamps. Uh, to me, uh, he was very much like you. He was uh, very even keeled on the surface. He was a magnificent receiver, as everybody knows. Uh, did you get a chance to touch base uh, with Fred earlier this year when he was here? And do you get to see those old guys uh, every now and then uh, around the league? Yeah, I, you know, I don't get to see you know guys like Fred um, really at all. Um, you know, but we do stay in touch, you know, when he came up, but, you know, I sent him a message, um, you know, that I was happy for him that he was, you know, got to be back in Edmonton and, um, you know, what a great player he was and what he meant, you know, to my career. And, and then he was up here for Friday's game, mm-hmm. uh, to, to be here to help support me. So I got to spend a little time with him there and, um, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's great. Um, you know, just to let those guys know that, uh, you know, they've meant so much to you and in, in your success and in your career. And, um, you know, they're special players. I mean, Fred was a guy that, you know, I, I had so much confidence in, you know, I felt like I could just throw it out there and in some way he was going to, he was going to come down with it, <clears throat> whether it was going up and, you know, making a one-handed catch over two guys or, you know, making a dive and catch when I threw it a little bit too far. Um, you know, he just did a really great job of, of making me look good out there. Ricky Ray joining us on the Outsiders today. I was going through some of the footage of your uh, your career m- moments, and you know what? You know what they actually put it? They put a running play in there. Not not you handing the ball off to somebody. You actually running, and I figured that's got to be one of three that I can remember. <laughs> that wasn't exactly your strong yeah. suit. Do you, do you feel a little that that's always like? I'm I'm obviously just poking fun here. Do you do you think that everybody looks at your passing, but forget that you ran the ball when you had to run it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I, some guys that I, like when I went to other teams or, you know, I went to Toronto or, you know, even here in Edmonton, you had some guys from some other teams that were free agents that signed with you and they'd kind of joke about how shifty my hips were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't fast. I wasn't fast, but I could give them a little hip shake and, and make a guy miss every now and then. And, um, yeah, you know, I was, I was able to, to have a few good runs throughout a 16 year career. Um, probably I can probably count them on, on one hand, but, um, you know, that's what this league's all about. I mean, if you're a quarterback and, uh, you can make some plays, you know, with your feet, pick up a first down or two, you know, throughout the course of the game. I mean, those are, those are big conversions for, for your team. And, um, 
you know, there was one game where I actually made it over 100 yards one game. What? You know, against BC and, uh, <laughs> you know, just did it one time, never did it again. And I think, uh, you know, my body had enough doing it once. That was a hard turf to run on, too, was it not? Like, you just you felt soft <laughs> until about three days later, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and the, the story to that one is um, I missed the next two games with injuries. So, um you know, I definitely didn't want to want to run again after that. Ricky, uh, talking to you before we uh, came on here, um, it seems to me the one person that goes back as far as the Eskimos do with you um, is your wife. Uh, she predates even your time here, and that's been a while now. <laughs> uh, you you know, you come here as a young guy looking to make your way. We know what happened after that. But you've got a dinner coming up this week. You're going to see more old friends and faces. Are you able to still, uh, you know, drink that all in and enjoy it now that you're at least a step or two away from your playing career and just sit down with the, all these people either played with or met in Edmonton? Because like Jason Moss, it seems like because this is your first place where you really got your big break, there's a connection there. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I'm able to do it a little bit more um, now that I'm done playing. I think when I was still playing, you know, you're always kind of entrenched into the season and trying to stay focused on what you're doing. And, um, you know, for me, I really didn't want to reminisce too much about, you know, all the all the good times that I had had in my career leading up to that. You know, I wanted to kind of stay sharp out there, stay hungry and not really – um, you know, rely on, on past success um, too much. So now that I'm retired, it's, it's definitely been a lot of fun to sit here and enjoy and, um, you know, reminisce with some old teammates and just really reflect on, you know, the career that I was able to have and, you know, the people that, you know, really helped me along the way. And, um, yeah, these events are awesome because I get a chance to, to come back and see these guys and see some of the fans and some of the friends that I had and, you know, really, really be able to spend some time with them and thank them for, you know, all the, all the support they've given me. And you're right. You know, my wife, um, you know, she's been with me the whole way, you know, we met in high school and, you know, she saw me, you know, grow up, uh, you know, really into what I was as a professional athlete, you know, all the way through, through college and university and, you know, through, you know, arena two and, you know, getting cut a few times by some NFL teams and, and, and then obviously having my career up here in the CFL, she's been with me the whole way. And, um, it's been special, you know, just to have the support of people like that and, you know, to have her in my life has, has been, you know, a big part of my success. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought the Eskimos did a wonderful job with the evening at, at halftime honoring you, but did you almost crack a little bit there emotionally? <laughs> I did. Um, you know, that's supposed to be my strength, man. To be, I know. To be calm and cool and, and even keel. And yeah, I got, I got choked up there a couple of times. I mean, it was just, um, you know, a lot of emotion and, you know, just so thankful, um, that I had the opportunity to play here. I mean, this is a, a really special organization. I mean, I just so many, um, you know, great players and, you know, great teams and a great, great history and tradition and a lot of people that have, you know, put their heart and soul into making this organization, you know, what it is and um, to have a chance to, to be a part of that and to see my name go up there on, on the wall um, next to some of those great players um, just brought a lot of emotion uh, to me. Ricky, let's take a look ahead. 
um, looking back is wonderful. Uh, and uh, your time here is, has been so special as you've talked about. Is there football in your future? And might there be uh, football in your future in this town where it really started for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, this game has been so um, important to me and a big part of my life. I mean, I've been playing football since, you know, I was eight years old. And, um, you know, so that's 30-something years of my life. And, you know, right now I, I, I knew when I was thinking about um, retiring and then eventually, you know, made the decision to do it. I knew I wanted to have some time off um, in between. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to just jump right back into it. I wanted to have a year or two to just kind of reflect on my career and, and maybe do something different for a little bit just to, you know, do some things that I kind of maybe missed out on, you know, playing football. And um, so I'm having an opportunity to do that. I think um, for this next year, maybe two, I'm going to just continue to just enjoy my family and, you know, be around my parents a little bit more and, and do some more things with my father, uh, just little things like that. And then uh, hopefully down the road, um, have a chance to get back into, into football. And, you know, this league has been a great league for that. You know, there's a lot of teammates and ex-players that I've seen done really well. Um, coaching, obviously, Jason Moss here and, you know, Dave Dickinson and Kahari Jones and, you know, Jarius Jackson, Ed Hervey, the GM in, in BC. So, um, they've really kind of shown that it's it's possible to have um, a pretty quick uh, transition from playing right into, um, you know, coaching or management. So uh, I hope I get that opportunity someday down the road. And we appreciate your time. We won't keep you too much longer, but you were here for a week this summer. It was kind of a shadow job on coaching. How did that go for you? Do you have some fun with that? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I mean, obviously um, – got to spend a lot of time with, with one of my best friends, uh, with Jason. And, um, you know, I really just wanted to, to just see how he was doing things here and, um, you know, what his philosophy was and, you know, how he, you know, handled the team and what he, you know, it was more just not just learning the X's and O's, but really just learning how he was as a head coach, just trying to see if I could pick up on anything or, you know, learn something from that. And that was a, a pretty cool experience. I mean, he's doing some really good things here behind the scenes that, you know, a lot of fans don't get, get to see um, with trying to develop a culture and, um, you know, bring back some of the, some of the things that we had when we were players here with, with the veteran guys and, and that culture that we had. Um, it was a lot of fun to experience that and, and, you know, hang around my best friend for a few days. Well, Ricky, um, I guess, uh, what I'll do is thank you for your time today, and uh, we will wait for the next uh, year or two <laughs> until it's announced that you're coming back to Edmonton. Deal? <laughs> that sounds good. I'd love the opportunity for that. Hey, and before we let you go, I have to, I've never talked to you about this, but one of the most difficult moments for me in my broadcasting, my 30-plus years of broadcasting, I had to do the uh, locker room interviews for the national radio broadcast in 2002 at the Grey Cup game. It was in Edmonton. It was Montreal. It was the Eskimos. Mm-hmm. And I I had to interview you after a very difficult loss. And and for me, it was really a painful interview, be, not because I was talking to you. It was painful because, you know, it's hard to put a, a positive spin on that thing like that. But you were just so great, and you just treated me so well. I never had a chance to thank you for that, and now's my chance to do it. And thank you for that. 
Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, especially when you lose and you feel like, you know, you could have played better and stuff, but, um, that's what, what sports is all about. I mean, you got to be able to, to take the losses with the wins and, and, uh, try and still have a, you know, head on your shoulders after those losses. And, um, you know, I, I hope I treated you right. Sounds like I did. And, yes. um, you know, I hope I treated a lot of people right throughout my career. I tried to be, um, you know, the best I could with everybody and treat everybody well. And, uh, hopefully I was able to accomplish that. Well, you did Ricky. Yep. And, uh, thanks for your time again today. Yeah. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Here comes pressure. Ray gets away. He'll take off again. And has a first down. And one more. Ricky Ray. Touchdown. Okay, let's flip over from football to hockey and time to chat with Post Media sports writer who covers the Vancouver Canucks for the Vancouver Province and the Sun. Also contributes to TSN 1040 Sports Radio out there in the Wet Coast. He also is the correspondent with the Hockey News, and we're talking about Ben Kuzma. Well, apparently you hired Robin Brownlee at one point, but we're still having you on the podcast. Is that okay? Yeah, because, you know, there are stories that uh, <laughs> probably could be told about Robin, but probably shouldn't be told about Robin to protect the innocent. Because uh, <laughs> I'll tell you this much, uh, you know, he was uh, a ball of fire and uh, did a heck of a job. It was great work with Robin and, uh, you know, usually told it like it was. And some people liked it and uh, some didn't. So I had no problem with that. I tell you what, Coos, time flies. Uh, 1985, here we are. You're one of the last men standing working the hockey beat uh, out in Vancouver with the Canucks, uh, Calgary Herald, Kamloops Daily News. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, a lot of guys out of the business, and uh, you're heck, you're even older than I am, and you're still hanging in. How have you managed to avoid the fire to this point? That's a great question. Uh, I think uh, I think Robin, it's, it's just the uh, the challenge of the beat. Of course, you've been on an NHL beat. You know what it's like, and you can only imagine when you have uh, less guys as uh, buyouts come through and uh, the volume of work. And I think it's just the different platforms that we have to deliver to now. It's not just uh, writing for print anymore. It's uh, everything that has to be done online, whether it's your, your preview, your blogs, or whatever you're doing. So. It's, it's kind of a 20, uh, 24 hour existence on the beat. But, um, I think at the end of the day, guys, it's, it's just the challenge of it all. I mean, sometimes can you get to the next city? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you're <laughs> yeah. zigzagging across North America and, uh, you're not on the charter. So I think at the end of the day, uh, that's the big thing with me. It's, uh, can I still do it? Uh, when I get up in the morning, uh, am I still uh, jacked up to do it? And, uh, the answer is yes. We chatted with Peter Labardius in Calgary, Bob Stoffer in Edmonton to kind of look at what's going on with their teams respectively. More of it was talking about how the teams came through the offseason. Let's start with you and the Canucks there, and let's talk about the offseason work done by the general manager, your assessment. Job one was to, to fix the back end, and uh, job two was to do something in the top six mix. I mean, this is a team that was 26th in offense last year, 22nd on the power play. There's no way, no way they're going to get near, uh, you know, the last wild card spot or whatever. 
uh, without addressing the offense and without addressing a back end that uh, was was rather leaky. I think uh, the Tyler Myers acquisition in, in free agency is a little bit polarizing, but uh, uh, they really needed somebody with some size back there who can move the puck well for a big guy. A uh, full season of Quinn Hughes uh, should be interesting. He's going to be the quarterback on PP1. And again, just talking about the power play, there, there's no reason when you put that power play down on paper uh, that it shouldn't be in the top half of the league with that. Uh, Elias Pettersson coming off a Calder a trophy season and a healthy Brock Besser. Uh, adding uh, Michael Furland and uh, JT Miller to the top six mix should make a difference. I mean, uh, Furland had uh, 21 goals two years ago in Calgary. Uh, you guys know him well, as we do here in Vancouver. Uh, he's going to play with Pettersson and Besser, bring a little bit of uh, muscle to that line. I think it should work. Miller, two 22-goal years with the Rangers, got lost in the mix in Tampa last year with so much depth there. So you could have Horvat. Tanner Pearson and JT Miller as, as another line. So that should work. Uh, they also added a little bit of grit on the back end with uh, Jordy Ben. Uh, so the, the, the bottom six um, in terms of uh, the forward lines is still a bit of a work in progress, but I think your top six mix on defensively is, is pretty much set. You're going to have Edler as Myers as your, your top pairing. You're probably going to have Quinn Hughes with Chris Tanev, and that's going to leave Jordy Ben with uh, Troy Stetcher. Uh, I don't have a problem with that, uh, and the top six mix is pretty much set. So, you know, as they say on paper, it looks okay, uh, but they got to play the games. I think the bottom line in Vancouver is still where the goal is going to come from. Yeah, you say Tyler Myers is polarizing. Yeah. Uh, why is that? I think he's a. I think he's a real good player. What's your take on him? You're seeing him every day. Well, yeah, what happens is that the analytical community will look at Tyler, Tyler Myers and, you know, they start to look at courses. And they, here's a guy who moves well for a six foot eight guy who moves well. I think the biggest challenge when I talked to him at training camp was that when you're defending as a guy with that kind of a wingspan, how's your lateral movement? How are you positioning yourself, whether it's your body or, or your stick on guys? Can you get there quick enough? Can you pivot quick enough? Uh, when he gets the puck, uh, when he starts moving that big frame, he's not a problem. And he's got a heavy shot. He's definitely going to be the quarterback on PP2. So that's not a problem there. So they, they, they got a guy that they've been kind of targeting for a while. Um, and really, I think the big thing is there, uh, how is he going to match with, uh, with Alex Edler? Uh, they're going to be the shutdown pairing. Uh, but with other guys in the mix there, can they cut down Alex Edler's minutes? He's not probably not going to be the quarterback on the power play. So you're going to take away some time there. The big thing in Vancouver, uh, like any other team, is can they get through the first couple of months being healthy? They lost three guys in one game in October in Las Vegas last year. They can't have uh, injuries be the story. I mean, every team's going to have them, but it's critical on the back end. You can't have Edler hurt again. You can't have Tanev hurt again. Uh, so the thinking there is that uh, they've added something back there, so maybe they can take some of the workload off, off Edler when it comes to power play time, and maybe that top pairing doesn't eat up as many minutes. Maybe if uh, Quinn Hughes and, and, and Tanev develop something there, uh, they're going to see more ice. So it's all about management here in Vancouver. I think the goaltending is solid with Jacob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko. I, I would say it's probably as good as any in the, in the division. So they've got that going for them. So long story short, uh, they checked the boxes that they had to do in the offseason. The defense is better. The top six is better. It's just a matter of, of putting it all uh, to work here and, and, and not getting behind the eight ball, not ha- having one of those long November trips where suddenly they're on the outside looking in by the U.S. Thanksgiving. Uh, there is a buzz in Vancouver. Uh, there is some legitimacy here in the sense that they should be playing those meaningful games into April. Uh, I've got them paid for around 89 points. 
I think the bar in the Western Conference for the last playoff spot is going to be around 94. I think it's a better conference this year. So we'll see. They're going to be close. Are they going to get in? It's up to them. Ben Kuzma joining us on the Outsiders. Bryn Griffiths along with Robin Brownlee. So I had a chance to watch Travis Green as a player covering the Moose Jaw Warriors on the eastern side. You guys were on the west side in Kamloops. You saw Travis as well. We know what he's capable of on the ice, and we saw it at the NHL level. Now he's behind the bench. He looks a little grayer. But he. Uh, I, I, the question that, that I've got to ask, Ben, is can he be better behind the bench this season than he was last year? Do you think so? Well, he's going to have to be. Uh, I think the uh, you know the bloom's off the rose now. You're talking about year three. You're talking about uh, how the mantra in Vancouver has changed from draft and develop to no, we're pushing for the playoffs. The optics are are, are pretty crystal clear here in Vancouver. It's it's getting to the playoffs, and and people can say, well, what good is it to make the playoffs to be one and done? Well, that's not the case here in Vancouver. It's about taking the next step as an organization to say. These young players need to experience what the postseason is all about. Mm -hmm. We think we're close to being there on a regular basis, so that's the push. And that's going to mean better coaching. It's going to be better deployment. Uh, It's going to be an understanding of trying to reach your players on another level. In the last two years here, you know, through free agency, uh, Travis Green has had more veterans to deal with, whether it's Beagle or or Roussel, and I've got Miller, and I've got Furland. Now you got Myers. Now you got Ben. How is he going to get them to buy in? Veterans are usually pretty good in that respect. But it's up to Travis to reach those guys uh, on some level. I mean, the guy played 970 games in the NHL with a half a dozen teams. Travis Green had to reinvent himself as a player to mm-hmm. stay in the league. I think he commands the respect from the veteran corps. That's not a problem. I think some of the younger guys have to understand that that guy behind the bench knows what he's talking about. So if he's, if he's hard on you, if, he, if, he's, if he's reaching you on another level that you couldn't, uh, couldn't accept because he's too hard on you, that's part of getting better as a player and as an organization. So it's a critical year for the team. I think it's a critical year for the coach. Yeah. Ben, one last one for me, because we know you got to run uh, Elias Pettersson, the real deal and a guy you can build this team around for the next decade. I'd like to think so. I, I, he, he was so special last year. And I think the one thing that uh, maybe we should keep in perspective was that he was kind of an you know unknown guy when he came in. I mean, he had 10 goals in his first 10 games. Uh, time and space became an issue in the second half. Um, you know, he really kind of struggled down the stretch because guys understood, well, we're going to play this kid harder. We're not going to let him uh, have his personal playground out there. Uh, I give him credit. Uh, when I saw him at training camp, uh, he's taller. He's a lot thicker in the upper body. Uh, he's got that going for him. And just some of the things he does uh, with the puck is creativity you can't teach. Uh, again, coming off a Calder Trophy year and having a healthy uh, Brock Besser, and having a bit of a policeman on that line in Furland, I think uh, there is point of game potential uh, in Pedersen. I, I, I think he's that good. So we'll see. Um, it, it's going to be job one for other teams to shut him down. Uh, but there's something that burns within the belly of this kid. Uh, he's pretty hard on himself. He'll talk more about things he didn't do without the puck than the stuff he does with the puck. So he's got his head on straight. Uh, but uh, it's going to be intriguing to see if he can take his game to another level. Hey, just before we wrap this up, Markstrom, very solid between the pipes. It doesn't seem to be a real problem for Vancouver. How do you see the the battle in behind him there? Well, he's the starter, but I think he's played 60 games the last two years, and I think they want to knock off about a half a dozen starts. they got to get Demko up and going as a legitimate uh, backup, a guy, a 1A, 1B situation, because you need two goalies in this league. Uh, Demko had a tough year with a concussion that shut him down for a couple of months and then a knee injury. Uh, he's got to play 
at least 25 games. So, you know, that's not a problem in Vancouver when you got two capable guys and you're wondering about how you can maybe cut that back the starter a little bit in terms of games played as to try to figure out who the hell is our starter. They know who he is, uh, but they got Demko as a goalie of the future. So uh, a lot of teams have problems with their goaltending. Uh, Vancouver does not. Thanks for your time. We know that you're up against the crunch here, and we'll talk to you during the season, okay? Okay, boys. Take care. share and fun experience it all this summer in a new rv from carefree rv trade up to the perfect bunk model from reputable brands like winnebago at forest river so many floor plans and payments starting at just 53 dollars bi-weekly plus one free year of coach net warranty on all rvs carefree rv open seven days a week in edmonton and laduke online carefreerv.ca Wow. Almost a full hour again today. That was fun, though. Enjoyed talking to Ricky Ray. Man, what a career he had. Fantastic. It was was great of him to give us a good 20 minutes of his time today. He's got a busy schedule while he's in Edmonton. So uh, we appreciate that very much. And your friend Ben Kuzma. Ben, Ben, Ben. He needs to be more enthusiastic. Tell him that next time because he's always so full of energy every time I've chatted with him. I tell you what, um, it's it's always fun talking to Ben. We it's hard to make time to get together now. Uh, seriously, like we said off the top, he hired me uh, in Kamloops back in 1985 as a reporter. He was a sports editor. He's still writing. He's still writing the beat. He's a you know what? He's a writer at heart. Even though he was an editor at the time, um, he's still hanging in, covered covering the Canucks, waiting for him to win something. So uh, we'll see. And Ricky, I tell you what. Uh, we mentioned it when we talked to him, time flies. Um, and he's the, still the same guy uh, as he was when he came up. Um, not affected, uh, you know, doesn't walk around like he's a big deal. Man, what a career he had. He's the same guy now that he was when he first walked into the league, right? He just he is. Right, walked into the league from the arena, from the arena league and driving a potato chip truck. I mean, talk about a humble beginnings and uh it's a great story and he had a great career uh and more important he's the same guy he was like you said he's a terrific guy and i know that gets thrown out there a lot as a cliche but anybody who's met ricky ray knows it to be true and i threw that story in about doing that interview with him after the 2002 gray cup game because as a broadcaster it's way more fun to interview winning teams yes Losing the losing teams and losing locker rooms is not a lot of fun. To, if people say, "Well, that was a dumb question," that it the stress involved at the other side of the mic is he just made that interview so easy. And like I said, tough when you're the home team losing on home field yeah. in your home locker room. But he just uh, he was all class then. He was all class on the interview today. We appreciate that very much, and it was uh, just great to have him with us. And you talk about aging. Did you see? This week, Bruce Springsteen turned 70. How does that make you feel? A hundred years old. Yeah. Now, what's the big Springsteen uh, tune for you? Oh, man. Uh, That is a tough one because most of his stuff, I just turn it up, right? But I love love the one album. And I've got, you know. Born to Run. Yeah, that would be right up there. But there's a lot of them for me. 
it's like asking me to pick a favorite U2 song or an Elton John song or Billy Joel or some some of those guys. All they did was just pump out the hits year after year after year. You know, ACDC. I'm just I'm running through uh, Kiss. I love Kiss as a kid. Still do. Well, you use the term, and I, it makes me think of our friend uh, Marty Forbes, the soundtrack of our lives. Uh, when you talk about uh, people out there, and you say soundtrack of our lives, Bruce Springsteen is He's a right big up there. part of everybody's soundtrack. The other seventy, one. holy yeah, crap! Yeah, I know. And and another group for me was always Supertramp. Love Supertramp as a kid growing up, and they were big here. So. Uh, and I'm even going to admit it. You didn't like Supertramp? Not, not uh, enough I, edge I, okay. for me. They were, you know what? They were terrific. You didn't like the saxophone thrown in there? Actually, I love the sax if, if Clarence Clemens was playing it, speaking of Springsteen. <laughs> no, they were a little too intellectual uh, with their right, right, bloody well, right, and all that stuff. Uh, not my cup of tea, but recognize the talent. Uh, I probably had my Kiss records on when they were playing. And I like pretty much everything. I grew up as a kid listening to my folks and their classical music. So Mozart is just as big for me as Springsteen would be. I still, I love, my musical taste, if you take a look at my Spotify account, it's got everything on there. You're far more cultured than I am. Well, I'm basically clearly, a heathen. Clearly. I, I still, the big album from my folks was Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brasses Greatest Hits. <laughs> Tijuana Taxi, play it, baby. I think not. Hey, hey, before we go, one other thing, too. Braden Point has signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's a three-year deal, and they say it is $6.75 million. That's a pretty good deal. Short, Shorter term than I think he was probably looking for, but for Tampa, it just gets that mess cleared up, and they can move ahead with them, and then they'll go from there. Terrific player. No Ricky Ray, but a terrific player. Coming up next week, we were going to do it this week, but because of the Dustin Bufflin stuff, as I said a little bit earlier, we decided to put it back one more week. So as we get ready to head into the NHL season, we'll just check in on the Winnipeg Jets because it's going to be an interesting year in Winnipeg. There have been some notable player moves, so we'll get to that. Also, coming up in the month of October, we're going to be chatting with former NHL enforcer Stu Grimson, the Grim Reaper, Mm -hmm. and our friend from Sportsnet, Ken Reed. Will be joining us. He's got a new book out. So there's all sorts of stuff coming up. And a new forehead out? Yeah, what's with that? You explain yourself. I don't know. Uh, Botox comes you, to you, mind. You think he's got a new forehead going? Is that the deal? Well, the crease is gone. The crease is gone. <laughs> okay, well, we'll uh, make a note of that. Write that down. We'll have to bring it up when we get Kenny on the show. So we're looking forward to it. And we'll talk to you next week. And by the way, you can get a hold of us. It's real simple. You uh, can drop us an email, which is mightymouth at shaw.ca, okay? We're working on a Twitter account, too, so you can converse with us in different ways. So, uh, anyway, that's it. Robin, thanks. I'll see you again. This has been fun. Thanks for joining us on The Outsiders, and we're back next week. Recorded earlier because we were ashamed to do it now.